Hi there, Dave Levine here. Thanks ever so much for joining me for episode 48 of the Sports Stories podcast. This is the podcast where we delve and dive into the lives and the sports stories of people who have had successful careers in and through sport. Now, last week we had Brian Ashton MBE. It was such an enlightening and an entertaining conversation I had with Brian and he really made us think. Now today we have another leader, somebody else at the top of their game in leading an organization. I'm really pleased to say that today's guest is Dan Newton. Dan is the Chief Executive Officer of Parkour UK. I'm delighted to have the leader of a lifestyle sport organization. I'm really excited because I'm sure Dan will give us a real great insight into the world of leading a, a new governing body or a new organization that's really developing and tell us and show us how he's developing bringing a lot of the work that he's done in sport development and also how he's transitioned through his career and picked up loads of experiences along the way. Dan will also really make you think. He's open, he's honest, he's humble and I'm sure will give us plenty of gems because I know one of his desires is to really make a difference. So as always, sit back or grab a pen, do what you need to do, grab a cup of tea, go out on your bike ride or go for a walk, but do what you need to do to ensure that you can maximise the opportunity of getting the most from Dan's story. As always, please, Feedback, let us know how you get on. Let us know some of the success stories you have because they really make a difference and really inform us in terms of what we bring to you. And those feedback and that really keeps us inspired and moving us forward. So all it leaves me to say is a really, really warm welcome to my special guest today, the Chief Executive Officer of Parkour UK, Mr. Dan Newton. Dan, it's really great to have you with me. Thanks for, for joining me on the Sports Stories podcast today. I'm really, really excited about talking to my uh, first chief executive of a, a, a life sport organization. So uh, welcome and thanks for giving up some time for, for joining me today. I guess just as an intro, do you want to just tell the guests that are listening in a little bit about yourself and also about um, the sport that you're the chief executive of? Uh, I can do. So firstly, thank you. Uh, it's great to uh, it's great to have the the opportunity to to chat with you and uh, yeah it's uh, it's good. So uh, my name's Dan. I work with Parkour UK. Uh, we are the national governing body for parkour. Uh, parkour hasn't uh, particularly been in need of uh, a governing body uh, because it's as a community it's probably one that doesn't particularly want to be governed. But ultimately we're uh, we're obviously trying to take responsibility for the work that uh, kind of can, can take place to help them thrive. Um, and obviously there's a, certainly an influencing job that they'll, they'll benefit from in terms of, uh, of what we're trying to do. Uh, I've worked in sport pretty much all my, uh, my career. My background is very much sport rather than parkour. Uh, my, my colleagues at Parkour UK are both from the community, so uh, I suppose we, uh, we cover, cover a couple of different areas uh, in, in our backgrounds, which is, is hopefully the reason why we're, uh, uh, yeah, things are going okay at the moment. So. Gosh, brilliant. Well, it, really exciting to hear a little bit more about, obviously, the, the, the sport of parkour, but also your journey. Um, a bit about you, a quick snapshot of, of your career. You said you spent most of your time working in sport. What have you done? Where have you been? And how did you get into it uh, at an early age? Okay, so uh, I'm from Sheffield. Uh, I suppose first uh, interactions with sport were probably with my brother in the back garden, uh, various different sports. Uh, and I suppose throughout my childhood, I I tried most things and kind of had a go. 
Uh, I think the the sports that required hand-eye coordination were the ones that I probably didn't <laughs> succeed in that well, uh, but the ones that uh, were probably more down to, to strength and power and perseverance and, and that type of stuff, I, I kind of came through on those okay. Uh, my career in sport, so um, I graduated from a sports development degree uh, and got involved straight within a, uh, it was a split role actually, partly with the City Council in Sheffield and the South Yorkshire County Sports Partnership. Uh, and then from there I went into a, a different county sports partnership in Derbyshire. Uh, obviously county sports partnerships now are referred to as, as active partnerships, but I suppose back in the day that's, uh, that's the, the term that was used. Uh, and then from, uh, from working in CSPs, I wanted to try and get a little bit of a different uh, perspective on sports, uh, so moved into working uh, in, in governing bodies. Uh, first one that I worked for was Rounders and I was there for uh, about nine years uh, and since then obviously I'm, uh, I've got a role in uh, working with Botcher England, I sit on their board and uh, obviously this role with, uh, with Parkour UK since, uh, since last year. And um, before we sort of come to your career, I'm kind of curious about those early stages of, you know, your, your childhood and upbringing. You say you played some sports around, you know, the strength and power kind of areas. But, you know, what was it about sport that really hooked you and uh, attracted you? Uh, that's a good question. I, I wasn't particularly, uh, I didn't particularly thrive in school. So if you think about the more academic subjects. Uh, I suppose my, my dad's always kidded me a little bit, but I didn't try that hard at the, <laughs> when I was younger, which is probably the case. But uh, certainly sport for me was somewhere that I found, I felt at home. Uh, and yeah, there was that connection with other, other people, uh, teammates and, and, and obviously I, I got a lot from the camaraderie of team sports and being with other, uh, other people. Uh, and I suppose I've, yeah, I think that mentality of being in a team and having the people around you, um, they need you and you need them. And obviously there's kind of like a caring friendship as it were. That's, I suppose, part of the, part of the, the central cog for me. And I think that's, that's, yeah, where I've, uh, I still love sport to this day and yeah. I'm pretty sure I always will, to be honest. So. Do you recall a time where you thought, right, I, I want a job in sport? So I think the... Uh, when, when I was probably first thinking about what I wanted to do with my life, mm. I, I think sport was the place where I probably wanted to end up. And at that point, uh, so kind of the, the mid-1990s, there was a sense of you could be a PE teacher or you could be a professional sports person. Yeah. And, and for me, ne neither of those <laughs> were, were, were particularly likely. Uh, and one probably, well, one definitely because I wasn't good enough. Uh, and the other because it probably just didn't, it wasn't me. I didn't, I didn't really fancy it. Um, I think as I went through education more and more, so I did GCSE, PE, A-level sports studies, um, I got onto a HND uh, in sport and then 
I went from a two-year HMD onto the second year of a degree in sport again. What what happened through that time, uh, which in essence was what probably well it was eight years because obviously it was two years in each of them. More and more opportunities kind of uh, came about in my mind around what I could do, and uh, and yeah, I think that that to me was the uh, would be the point. Mm. And, and I asked that question, I guess, because there's so many of the listeners in will be thinking, you know, how, how do I get into sport? You know, what opportunities are available? You know, what avenues are there into this? And it's just hearing your story that, you know, not, not following a, a traditional sort of performance route in terms of an athlete or a player, um, but also a lot of people end up going down the, uh, the, as you say, the PE teacher kind of route. And hearing your story is just fabulous to hear, you know, there are other opportunities here, aren't there? Definitely. 100% and now there are more and more, I mean, the, the one, of, one of the pieces of work that we're doing at Parkour at the moment is a, is a project which is trying to explore the very different roles that, that okay. are in place in lifestyle sports and we're doing that with a couple of other sports, but ultimately being a content creator or being a park designer or being a, um, an instructor that they are the legitimate things that you could do and I suppose when I was uh, coming into the sector there weren't as many as those kind of roles do you know what I mean it's, it's obviously expanded over the years and that's and that enables people to feel uh, to come into the sector and be a part of it which I think is a, a hugely important thing and there's I know since we've done a lot of great work on that and, uh, and Sports England have have obviously been been part of the driving force in England, uh, and like I say, that that gives uh, many young people who are probably a little bit disillusioned by the traditional route uh, and not necessarily motivated by the traditional route, it gives them something to uh, to aspire to, really. Well, and hearing your story, I guess, through the ideas, you know, through through a degree in sport, through rounders, you know, through different sports, being on a board, being a CEO of an organisation. Do, do you have a mantra at all, Dan, or a, like a motto or anything which you kind of live by or drive yourself by through your career? Uh, there's, there's probably a few that over the years I've kind of, uh, I suppose I've tried to live by. My, my mum and dad are a big... Uh, big driving force in in the way that I try and perform and behave and all those things and there's loads of different ones that that kind of came from that. I suppose what, one of the ones that I found uh, that was introduced to me by uh, a business coach a few years ago was one which kind of I, I, I can't remember the whole uh, the whole yeah. uh, kind of piece, but it's this sense of concentrating on changing yourself and um, as a younger version of yourself you try and change the world you try and change your uh, country you try and change you have big grand views of, of how you can change others and ultimately uh, as an older person uh, the the person who kind of said the quote or said the put the thing together is is this bit about reflect on changing yourself and if you change you, you can begin to change you can go in the other direction you can change the things which may then one, mean that one day mean that you were uh, you eventually change the world and I think the that made a yeah that made a real 
uh, impact on me at the time. And um, I remember having some really good, uh, helpful conversations with that guy uh, that, that yeah, made me think differently, really. So. And how have you brought it to life, apart from just having those conversations with that, that individual person? You know, how have you tried to change yourself? Because it, it really lands... Uh, fantastically with me the idea of actually you starting with yourself your own awareness and changing yourself you know it's a real principle of what we're doing with sports stories and the podcast and the, and the content around that I'm just conscious about you know how have you brought that to life for you yeah so I think the importance of education and learning for me has always been uh, being quite central I mean that, that's quite ironic in, in what I said earlier about the fact that I didn't really engage with school particularly strongly. Yeah. I think when, when I got interested in something and always yeah. when I've got interested in something, I've followed it through and I've, yeah. I've, it's almost taken something uh, to trigger that, kind of capture my imagination or trigger something that's ultimately wanted to make me do it. So I think, I don't know really, I, I, I'm always trying to learn really. and I'm yeah. always trying to kind of immerse myself in other people's experiences and listen to their stories. So I suppose meeting people, uh, like I say, just connecting. If, if somebody comes across my path, I'll try and meet up with them and, uh, and just kind of get to know them a bit more. And, and I suppose that's where connect that, that's where kind of the network comes from really. And yeah. most of the things that I've, been able to do have ultimately been solved through networks, getting other people to solve your problems for you. And uh, I think that's uh, that's quite a big thing. Uh, I suppose experiences, for me, it's about trying to do a varied, trying to vary the, the, the content of what you're trying to put yourself in. Uh, so a number of the courses that I've tried to do over the years have been uh, yeah, quite like I say, off the beaten path in terms of what you might put in place as somebody who's in the career that, uh, or kind of doing what I'm trying to do. Uh, and, and like I say, I've taken something from pretty much all of the things I've done. So like I say, it all kind of complements one, one, uh, one another. Mm. Um, I think there's a couple of roles that I've taken. So I... I I had the opportunity a couple of years ago to join an advisory committee, which uh, ultimately uh, kind of recruits magistrates to work in the family courts and the crime courts in, in South Yorkshire and Humberside. And I've learned so much from that, uh, that process. And uh, it's been, it's, like I say, I've worked with people that I genuinely would have never ever met in my life. And, uh, I've met people that have completely astounded me for very different reasons to, to what I would have, uh, to, to what I've kind of en enjoyed before. Uh, and again, that's, like I say, that role, if you, if you look at my, I suppose, uh, if you look at my CV and the things that I, I've kind of been, able, been lucky enough to do, that's a bit off the beaten path. <laughs> I mean, you, you wouldn't necessarily put that alongside the other stuff, but it's, but yeah, it's uh, yeah, it's a great thing. So it's uh, yeah, I think the other things are probably then just reading and listening. So I mean, I uh, I read lots. Uh, I uh, I listen to kind of, kind of audio books, podcasts, whatever, just to try and uh, yeah, just 
fill my mind with different ideas, really, and, uh, and, and ultimately start conversations with people. So. I love the idea of off the beaten path. You know, you really made me think and smile when you said that in terms of, you know, the transferability, you know, for me, you're jumping around into so many different places because you recognize there's learning in them, you know, or you've gathered or got something. You know, if I put you on the spot, Dan, what, what, did, what have you got from that work in the advisory panel and the group? What did you get that's brought back into your role in sport, would you say? What, what are two things? Because I'm sure there's loads of great stuff you've picked up. So, so we had a, the one experience that sticks with me, and obviously I can't talk, it's, it's not naming names or anything, yeah, but sure. we had, uh, within some of the interviews that we did, we had two candidates back to back, one of whom was a, uh, was a very successful uh, kind of leader in the banking industry. Uh, and there was somebody who was, then on, on the flip side, a bit younger, a little bit less experienced uh, and, and had a different set of uh, strengths. The, what happened in the interviews was that the, the one that you wouldn't expect was the one that flew and, and right. was incredible. And they uh, made the way through to the next stage of interview and the, the one that you uh, the one that you might have expected would have got through because they'll have done lots of high-flying interviews before and, yeah. <laughs> and, and they'll have been able to con convey what they're about in, in, in different ways before. Uh, they didn't. And it was, I suppose, I, that really made me sit back and think. And, and it, was, it was really satisfying to be able to, to, to help yeah. um, draw out of somebody the... Uh, yeah, the, the, the strength. So, so the, being a magistrate is about six key qualities and what you have to be able to do is articulate your experiences against those six key qualities. And uh, she did an incredible job that day. And I, uh, I remember writing down uh, or <laughs> kind of making a personal note of the, uh, of the ways in which she framed things because I thought it was amazing. And uh, that, that was one of those where you, I don't, I don't know, you, you kind of read, reading the series and reading their applications before the interview, you might have thought candidate A goes through, candidate B doesn't, but in, in, in actually meeting them and going through the process, it was, uh, so that, that in some ways that's always about having your eyes open and just no, not, necessarily, uh, not, not necessarily going with uh, maybe the evidence that's on paper or the, um, you should. You, I suppose there's a there's a flip side to that, but I think in this instance, yeah, it definitely gave me that that sense of uh, thinking a bit broader about it. Gosh, and I, I love the idea of bringing stuff from other areas and and applying it. But there's also something I'm hearing in there about you know the prejudgments that you you bring to the work we do and how we have to just watch those. You know, and yeah, you know you, you make a really great point there. There's a there's a question. Uh, which relates to uh, what are your prejudices? So, and, and ultimately it's what are your biases? And the, there's a long conversations that go on uh, kind of in the, in the deliberation around what you do with kind of candidates, which is about uh, this sense of everybody has a prejudice or everybody has a bias. Yeah, you, you can say that uh, I don't have any prejudices or I don't have any biases, but that's, uh, 
it's probably not the right. Do you know what I mean? Everybody at some point has them. I mean, I'm I'm against cruelty to children, and I'm against uh, if if um, if somebody like I say, if somebody comes across my path that has a mm. um, a, a background in in doing something pretty horrible, mm. it's hard to it's, it's kind of hard to get past that. Really, now don't get me wrong, you should always give. Uh, you should always view the situation as it is, yeah. but you you have to acknowledge and know those things Brilliant. Uh, in order to be able to uh, be able to do it. Really, so. Gosh, and you give a real strong message there. You know the idea that we we can learn and look so many places to learn. You know whether we're working in sport or out, these things are just paralleled across, aren't they? They're they're, they're common to the different environments. So Dan, you know what, what's been some of your greatest achievements and successes in the world of sport? What have you been most proud of? Uh, I think the um, there's a lot that we're trying to do in in the sports sector, which is about bringing. It's obvious it's been curated over the years about trying to get more people playing mm. and. Uh, there's lots of occasions where a basketball programme or a rounders programme or uh, one of the governing bodies that I work with in Derbyshire have run something and, and delivered a programme that's got more people playing that, that's been brilliant. And like I say, they're, uh, they're definitely, there's loads of those which I kind of think about which are, uh, which are quite satisfying. I think as the sector's evolved a bit and certainly matured, the message is obviously more now about trying to think about the, the social outcomes that emerge from sport and the life skills that you generate from being involved in sport. A lot of the stuff that we've already talked about, yeah. life skills emerging from sport, that's, like I say, that changes people's lives right. and that's ultimately the opportunity to try and get them to do do the things that fulfil the dreams and do the things that they want to do. Yeah. So I, I think the, uh, the like I say, there's, there's, there were loads of uh, people who um, who have found their way into in a sporting activity, which has given them the opportunity to do something else in their lives. And there was a uh, there's, there's there's a few. I mean, like I say, there was a there was a I remember one student who uh, who did a, a, a who did one of the programs, and he gave the impression at the beginning that when he came to university, he was a bit lonely. He was kind of on his own, wow. and he didn't really enjoy his first year at university for for a number of different reasons. And then in the second year, he um, he kind of got involved in in the the sporting program and and. Uh, found a group of people that he quite liked, and obviously they were they were a bit different to him. But ultimately, they they gave him some sense of friendship, and ultimately that's taken him to uh, that made him really thrive. He thinks in years two and three at university because obviously he had that friendship group that was uh, that was brought about to him through sport. And uh, for me, they're the big ones. And there's there's loads of parkour at the moment where. Um, parkour is, is a very uh, personal endeavour and what you effectively work through is, is in many ways work on yourself and there is a bit about uh, 
uh, kind of overcoming the jump and and, uh, and and overcoming the barrier that you don't think you can do something, but then you can. And obviously the steady progress, the incremental gains towards being able to do it. And to me, that's obviously some of the really elite parkour athletes do an incredible job at that. And the videos they produce are pretty sensational. But the, uh, the little boy or the little girl or the, like I say, the teenager who is using it as a vehicle to, to yeah. kind of do something else. To me, that's that's where the magic is. So. Gosh, you know, and, and it, that whole thing about social skills and, you know, this is, parkour seems like it's a real manifestation of life's challenges here, isn't it? You know, how do we overcome it both physically but also mentally? And, you know, it's an, it really plays to the idea that sport plays a real vehicle for development, isn't it? If, of ourselves as individuals or communities or whatever, which is, you know, again, really plays to my principles as well. 100%. It's, it's, it's amazing, honestly. I, I've, I have loved the last, uh, I mean, obviously I've been in this role since July last year, so it's coming up to a year. I did some work as a, uh, on an interim basis on a kind of a pro bono piece before. And over that period of time, I've really uh, come to enjoy the experience and the, like I say, the people that are involved. Like lifestyle sports different. It's not, uh, it, it's, I suppose the analogy that we've been using as a team is, is uh, there's a sense that when I, I play football between seven and nine on a Monday yeah. or eight and nine on a Monday. And at that time I'm a footballer and I, and like I say, I could call myself a footballer, uh, only very questionably. Clearly, <laughs> I know what you mean. <laughs> uh, uh, if you, uh, yeah, if you've ever seen, well, anybody who's ever seen me play football probably might have a different. You're on a football uh, pitch running around. <laughs> there we go. And I've got a kid on. So, uh, so yeah. But the uh, the sense with lifestyle sport is that it's part of you. So right, if you okay. if you are into skateboarding, that's you. If you are a parkour practitioner, that's you. Yeah, it's the way you move. It's the way you. It's, it's the way you uh, kind of think about the world, and that's. Yeah, that, like I say, that's uh, it's it's a real different way, and it's forced me to think very differently. Uh, and, and and the partners that we're bringing on board, the feedback they give us is that obviously it's uh, yeah, it's a different model to perhaps some of the more traditional sports, which is uh, breath fresh air. Really, it's great. And I guess it also challenges your thought process, doesn't it? And who you are, and it's challenging your identity in the way you you turn up in the world. You know, which is again. I guess what I really like about this is it's just not run of the mill, is it? It's getting people to to um, have a view and ch challenge themselves and get them to think, you know, again, which is a real manifestation of of the world we live in, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. completely agree. Completely yeah. agree. Yeah. Dan, you know, we talked about the positives of your world and, you know, the, the parts that you've played in taking parkour and, and what it brings to, to people's lives. You know, I know you've worked really hard and your life has not been all sort of smooth. You know, what have been some of the challenges that you've faced on your journey? Because look, individuals facing into the world of, of their career will um, recognise that things are not always on the up. They're not always on a high. There are some real downs as well. And I'm just wondering what you've encountered and how you've managed yourself through some of those harder times. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I, I'm, I suppose my, I don't view myself as different particularly and, and I don't think my path's harder than other people's it's my it's my it's the route I've been and uh, it's the only one I can comment on but yeah there's there's certainly been times I mean I 
uh, I suppose on a personal basis, there's, there's been two significant losses. So I lost a child uh, in 2009. My wife and I, was, it was our first little boy and he died after 20 days, which was utterly heartbreaking and obviously took me, um, yeah, kind of knocked me for six. I lost my mum and my mother-in-law in the space of four weeks, uh, three years ago now. And, and obviously that kind of, the repercussions of that for my family. Uh, my, my kids were obviously quite little at the time. Sure. Um, and obviously those, those types of experiences have a real seismic uh, knock-on effect to everything that you, you do. And I think for me, this whole sense of trying to understand the whole person and trying to understand what's going on in somebody's world that makes them feel the way that they do uh, is, is huge. And, and I think you have to, um, yeah, you have to try and ultimately view, look at things in as positive way as you possibly can and try and ultimately, yeah, get back on the horse and, and just try and go again, really. And, uh, Fortunately, I've got some incredible friends and family and, and they've always been around me to, to go to the pub or to go for a run or to go to the park and kick a ball about or throw a ball about, whatever it's, like I say, um, um, the, the friendship networks ultimately are the things that get you through. And, uh, and for me, that's, uh, that's something that I'm, like I say, really grateful for. Those are really big big as you say seismic events and then you know when you say I, I, we have to try and get back up on the horse how do you do that you know it can't be you know there's everybody has their own big challenges don't they but it's how do we turn that around and I'm just thinking you know experiences like you face there they're massive and I'm just wondering you know you've given a, a slight insight but are there any other thoughts or tips or guidance or you know how do you turn positive we saw, a, my wife and I saw a therapist, a bereavement counsellor from the Children's Hospital in Sheffield for a, a couple of years after, after Ben died. And some of the things and some of the techniques that she went through with us are kind of the things that I'd still use to this day and, and kind of recognise in myself. So this sense of trying to smile about what's happened and what's gone on in the past and the things always weren't as bad as they currently are is huge and right. trying to have that frame of reference about the past equally looking forward to things as well and having things on the horizon about what's good and what's going to be good and what's the next thing that's going to make you smile um, and, and in some ways it's it's interesting because obviously living in the moment is the recommended term isn't it people yeah. <laughs> you hear that a lot about trying to think about this, this live the moment you're in now. Be, pre be present. present. Yeah, yeah be exactly. Present. And not, not follow any of those. But a lot, I remember a lot of the things that, uh, that we went through at that time was about obviously acknowledging that we were going through grief. Yeah, it, it wasn't, we, we were quite clear, I think, to define uh, that it was, we weren't depressed. We were going through grief in two separate things. And... Uh, and obviously for us, uh, having another child helped. I mean, th th that's, that's been a, um, the experience of, of being parents again. And like I say, being able to, uh, my kids are now 10 and 8. So obviously there's been huge, huge, huge lo loads of fun in there. But, uh, uh, but it goes, I think from the mum one, I mean, 
you've only got one mum. And I mean, yeah. for, for me, I um, she was a huge role model for me and a huge, uh, I looked, like I say, she was in many ways, the, she was the, her and my dad, but in, in many ways, mum was a real constant around uh, if something wasn't going right, she was always kind of be there. And, yeah. uh, and the rock or the well, inspiration kind of thing. <laughs> Well, uh, yeah, and, and look, I, I'm very happily married. I've been with, uh, I've been together with my uh, girlfriend, now wife, since kind of 1998. So it's a long, t- it's a long time that we've been together. But and, and like I say, uh, but but obviously it's di- it's, it's different. It's a different relationship to uh, to kind of uh, the relationship I had with my mum. And uh, mm. yeah, I miss her every day. It, it's uh, I miss both of them every day. So it's. Uh, uh, it's the way that it is, but uh, I don't know. You have to get on with it, and unfortunately, stuff like that happens in life. And uh, you, uh, like I say, you need to get on. So. Well, it does happen like that, but I just love the way you you talk it out there, Dan, because it's something about how how you 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 use the experience, don't you? And again, you're learning from it or taking stuff from it to to propel you forward, you know. And I just think it's you know it's it's a, a dreadfully upsetting and difficult times and like you say many of us have these in different ways or shapes or forms but you know how, how you're re- recalling it even and connecting it to what's going on now and how it's used as a, a positive you know not in you know you're using the story and the experience to to help drive you forward you know and I just Thank think it's a, lo- it's a lovely positive message which I you know I, I applaud you for and I just I want to say that because I think, you know, so many of us are having a hard time in different ways and it's about how do we find ways through these things, you know, by talking to people and so on. Oh, 100%. Thank, thank you for saying that. That means a lot. I mean, I, uh, I think it's always, there were loads of things that during the, the year after Ben, the year after Mum, that I that there were day-to-day tasks that I couldn't do, mm. uh, that I, I just needed to lean on a friend and I needed to get somebody else to do them. But like I say, fortunately, uh, the friends and, and family around me all, like on occasion, stepped up and did things that they, uh, they wouldn't normally do for me. Uh, but ultimately, in that circumstance, they, uh, they did. And, and like I say, it's... Uh, uh, that's uh, yeah, that's something I'm hugely grateful for. And and just before we move on, you know, the, the last thing that really comes to me here, Dan, is also that idea of you showing your vulnerability in terms of you know there were times where I couldn't do things and people stepped up for me, and I and I just think as a leader that's such a, a powerful strength, you know, whereas many people still see as a you know they put the brave face on it and shut it all down, and I think whether it's in sport, leadership, business, you know we have some tough times and we need to kind of nearly embrace them to help us move on through them. And I just think you're, you really epitomize that as well. Oh, thank you. That means a lot. I, I there's, there's a, there's a huge element of all of this that we're making up as we go along and, and yeah. there's, there's, there's no getting away from that. I mean, there's no book is there. You know, to, 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 to <laughs> well, there's no parenting book. Or I haven't found it yet. And there's no, uh, obviously there's no, yeah. uh, there's plenty of books that kind of give you <laughs> advice, but in, in terms of telling you what you need to do at any one given time, yeah. that doesn't exist. So, uh, yeah, like I say, I mean, for me, it's uh, uh, you've just got to you've got to try and be honest every day and, and get up and do your best. And uh, and like I say, that's the it's, it's, it's as simple as that, really. So. Yeah. 
And, and moving, you know, leading the parkour governing body, as it were, a, a, a kind of a community, she said, didn't really need or want to be governed, but you're really trying to help it move forward. You know, where, where's all that going then? What, what's your hope and desire? And what's the, you know, again, picking upon the positives, where, where do you positively hope this all moves forward over the next short while? And what are the, the challenges you see ahead of you to overcome? So parkour is... We, we've tried to, to categorise the community into the unstructured part and the structured part. Right. The, the structured part is uh, practitioners running classes in parks or in gyms, owning gyms and having open sessions. Uh, and for that type of stuff, there's a more or less a sports development model. So there's a qualification, there's an insurance, there's there's a system that you need to be able to wrap around that in order to make those people, help those people thrive and, and kind of keep them keep them on the way. That part of it looks like a governing body uh, and looks like many of the other sports that I've, I've had the pleasure of working in. Uh, but there is a different side in the unstructured bit. So we're, we're doing a piece of insights at the moment, which is trying to explore the brands, the, uh, the, the, the stars of this world, Jimmy the Giant, Ampersound. There's, there's a number of different people that create content that effectively commentate on parkour culture. There's, there's, I think there's 15 parkour podcasts at the moment, which okay, is well. uh, pretty more than I thought there was <laughs> when, <laughs> when, uh, when I kind of came about. But, but there's a, yeah, this sense of understanding the culture and, and being able to influence and, and stand up for those people. So it's very easy to understand that if somebody wants to run a coaching company, you can put on a qualification for them, you can work with them to get some, uh, the, the system around them that they need to be able to thrive. But what is it that you want to do for someone who creates content, puts it on YouTube and and does that type of yeah. work or what is it that you want to do for someone who uh, is a performer and they they want to get work in either stunt on from the stunt register or from tv or kind of whatever really that's that's a bit of a different relationship and what we're doing at the moment is very much exploring that so we're, okay. we're trying to to keep our heads up and listen as much as we can and chris and omar who are my colleagues at parkour are both utterly brilliant they they're, they're from the community and where i'm bringing insights from outside of yeah. parkour and the sports the sport. community. So, yeah exactly from uh from a number of years of working with sports england and new sport trust and sport rock alliance and all of the, the partners what they're managing to do is enable us to try and connect that exactly. to the community and speak to real people so um I mean, Omar goes out and trains with all the cool guys, and uh, <laughs> it's uh, and, and uh, yeah, it's uh, uh, yeah, he's uh, he's got a great job. So yeah, well, we'll be dragging you along soon. <laughs> he has dragged me along, and uh, this uh, yeah, it's uh, I've, uh, I'm definitely not as fluent as he is, yeah. but there you go. And and Dan, as you as a senior leader, you know, in the, the times that we're kind of living in, what what do you see as kind of the challenges and opportunities for you as a in the role that you play? That's a good question. I think the, the biggest thing uh, is this sense of collaboration and this sense of, uh, I suppose, the shared services term is one that's been muted a lot in sport for a while and it's probably been defined as something that's not quite what it is. 
where, where I think it can work is this is this notion that if, if you design the sports system now, knowing everything that you know, yeah. I'm pretty sure you won't put it together in the way that it's put together. Uh, I think what you would do is try and make sure that the the areas in which organisations can share something, you encourage them to do and you make it uh, you make it practically possible for them to do that and you incentivize them to do it. And I think that one of the things that we're trying to do with um, other lifestyle sport governing bodies, uh, the inclusion national bodies in the country and, and a number of others, just, is just to try and say, well, you do something really well um, and we'd rather work with you to help us do that well rather than employ somebody different to try and make up and do that well for us. And I think that's this sense of everybody standing shoulder to shoulder in the sports sector being um, not one organisation because that's that it never will be and, and that's it needs some competition and it needs some some difference. But uh, yeah, if, if for me, if um, if somebody's best place to do something uh, in coaching in London, that's the person you should go to rather than trying to find someone else. It's it's, it's how how can you? Uh, that's probably not the best example, but it's but it but it's how uh, yeah how can we make that work with each other rather than in uh, in silos and uh, in isolation. And I hear something about really playing to people's or organisational strengths. No. No, and it, there's a principle that drops down to us as individuals. You know, why don't we play to our strengths or our interests and what we're good Absolutely. at? Absolutely. I mean, we, we've the, the work that we're doing at the moment through our workforce subcommittee. Uh, we have um, we, we've got a group of parkour practitioners who are interested in the topic, and we've got uh, three practitioners from the sports sector. So Sean Kisson, who uh, worked for Sports England. Vinnie Webb, who's working with them through Simsburg, and Claire Freer, who's working for UK Coaching. What they're ultimately doing is bringing their insights to us in order to be able to make the, the work that we do better. And for me, um, that's the only way. Do you know what I mean? That, that it, it, it's about making sure we, we try and bring as many other people into what we're doing as we can, rather than trying to reinvent the wheel. And, uh, I mean, there's loads of times where I've been involved in things that have tried to reinvent the wheel. So I'm absolutely uh, <laughs> trying not to do say, that. <laughs> yeah, but look, you've got to be like I say, you've got to be honest about that, haven't you? Really. So uh, yeah, it's, it's fun. Well, it, it sounds like a, an amazing journey and a really sort of exciting time ahead. You know, because I guess we're going into a bit of an unknown. And I was talking to one of my previous podcast guests about the notion of impossibility. You know, and actually how we can really push the boundaries and do things differently. And I just love the idea that, you know, we've got a, a lifestyle sport here, which has got a relatively blank sheet of paper in, in some areas, you know, yeah, and that's where we could the, go. That's the huge opportunity, yeah. Dave. I mean, it's, it's like I, so, so James Hope Gill, who does the job that I do in skateboarding, yeah. uh, we, we're, I suppose, in a really advantageous position in the sense that the modernizing of our governing bodies isn't letting go of baggage and, and trying to uh, change things that have got 10 20 years of history what we're trying to do is set something up and that's uh, I love that I think that's a huge opportunity and uh, hopefully one that we uh, yeah that we can make the most of really so 
Well, I, I guess many organisations that are looking to modernise, whether in sport or out, might, might need to come and knock on your door or such and say, you know, come on, help, help us think about this differently. Because I think we, we, we look through a different lens here, I guess, rather than, you know, changing what's gone, but actually reinventing. And we have a, a great, as you say, opportunity. It's freer somehow. Yeah, I don't, I don't know about that, but yeah, I think, I think the uh, we're, we're always happy to uh, to try and help others, and uh, for me, it's uh, yeah, that's an obligation more than anything else to uh, to try and make sure that you uh, you try and make sure that yeah, yeah, that those insights are shared really, but uh, yeah, we'll see. Well, coming coming back to you, you know, in terms of your your journey and your story, you know, you, you you've mentioned that you're you're a learner, you know. Um, You've, you've recognized the value of learning from so many different places. And I'm just going to focus in, in here with a couple of sort of quick fire questions because, you know, you've given lots away. You've shown your real openness and vulnerability to your story and your journey and what's happened. And I'm just wondering how we can add a few little gems to some of the listeners. And, you know, in terms of what's really been a, an inspiration to you or a, a, an insight to you in terms of resources and books, do, do, can, can you recommend anything as such? Yeah, there's, lo there's loads of books, really. I mean, I read, uh, certainly in the last few years, I've, I've read more and more. Uh, I, I kind of listen to audio books, so that means that I can kind of get through more as well, because yeah, yeah. obviously uh, uh, I can walk around the block a little bit and, uh, <laughs> and, and, and keep going. So uh, I think from a, from a kind of non-fiction point of view, I think the... Uh, Probably the books of, of Malcolm Gladwell, Matthew Say, and Michael Lewis are the ones that I, um, they consistently be the ones that I've enjoyed the most. And uh, like I say, anytime there's another book from one of those people, I'll try and get to a point where I'll buy it and, and I'll read it because like I say, I, I love the way that they tell stories. Yeah. They, they invariably, the three of them, they tell stories, they don't teach lessons, they tell you a story about this or, or um, like I say, the, the Black Box Thinking book from Matthew Said is a story about healthcare and a story yeah. about aviation and wraps up within it lots of other different things and that's, uh, I quite enjoy that. Mm. Um, so yeah, but there's, like I say, there's, there's loads of brilliant books that uh, I've not read yet, which is quite exciting. Yeah. So. Well, you know, and, and I ask all my podcast guests, you know, what books have inspired them because we've got a real sort of library of them now. But I just love the idea there that you've said it tells a story and, and how you can take the content and the, the the gems within it and apply it to your world. You know, and I think, again, that's just, just fantastic. That's, that's the storytelling thing, though, isn't it, yeah. David? It's like yeah. it's uh, you remember stories. Yeah. You don't, like I say, I suppose me thinking back to, uh, to school, I didn't interpret many of the, the lessons at school as stories. I, I interpreted them as a set of facts that I needed to remember and yeah. I didn't really get that. So yeah. uh, so I think there's, yeah, that's, uh, that's huge. And uh, yeah, I enjoy that. Dan, what advice would you give to your a teenage version of yourself now that you've been on the journey you've been you know again just thinking to those guys starting off in their career coming up you know being interested in getting a role in sport you know what advice might you give them or to, to help them on their way I think probably building networks yeah. I think I think everything like I say I, I genuinely solve the things that I'm trying to encounter or that I'm encountering through 
relationships with other people. I mean, I, uh, what one of the really, I was fortunate enough to do a, a course at Cranfield a few years ago. And what that did was that put 16 development directors, which is the role that I was in at the time, in the same room uh, at the same time for kind of three, lots of three days. And obviously the, the time that I was able to kind of spend with those people and others just keeps you, like I say, if you listen to, if you listen to two or three other people's problems, you either listen to how they've solved the problem that you're solving or yeah. that you haven't yet solved. And it, it's kind of, uh, I mean, this is probably not the right word, but it's, it's kind of insights that you can ultimately pull back on, uh, back on in the future. And I, uh, yeah, it's like I say, it's that 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 to me is the the biggest thing, and uh, I uh, yeah, I've got like I say, there's a a number of different people who I I would call friends now. Do you know what I mean? I'm, like I say, I'm, I I know about the kids, I know about the football teams, I know about everything. That's, that's, <laughs> yeah, that's um, people. Yeah, that, yeah, definitely, that kind of matters to them, really. And I think that's uh, um, I definitely try to take that into. To, to, to those relationships really and uh, and yeah hopefully it comes back really so. yeah well and a great advice I think you know it's something that through my career I've recognized through times when it's been really great you know that networks have really mattered but when they've dropped off you notice that as well so I think it's a it's a lovely point to to say you know they need nurturing and they need um you know watering as it were just keeping going and working at because it's really important yeah I mean COVID's been a real opportunity for that I think though because yeah, yeah. you invariably uh, like I say, before the pandemic started last year, you would generally, uh, it, with some people, you would see them on a, at a certain meeting or you'd see them at a certain venue in a yeah. certain place. <laughs> and I suppose what it's forced people to do, and I've been a part of this, is, like I say, have a, just have a cup of tea with someone on a, on a call, call that just enables you to kind of catch up with them. And then they're in a different part of the country and you're in a different part of the country. It's kind of... Uh, it it's doable, isn't it? Really. Yeah, definitely. But Zoom's opened up... Zoom and Teams have opened up a huge, you huge new <laughs> uh, world for that because you you no longer have to find um, half an hour in a certain space at a certain time to meet somebody. You can do that at any time. Do you know what I mean? It, it's easier. Arguably, you can do it just after you've... Uh, um, yeah, you finished your day, or you're having your lunch, or kind of whatever, really. And that's, uh, I think that's, yeah, that's definitely been uh, been a good thing. So. Great. And Dan, I've got two last questions for you, and they're related to stories and to um, to you actually. And I, the first one is, you know, you mentioned about your parents being a real influence. Are there any other people that have been really pivotal? And I appreciate in a, a story like yours, you know, there'll have been many at different stages and times, but are there any standout sort of moments or people that you think, wow, they were really influential to me and they helped me change direction or go in a certain direction? Yeah, I mean, I, I think all of the people that have offered me a job and that I've reported to, I've learned something from. Um, so, uh, so Tim Lund, David Joy, Alison Howard and Steve Mitch are, like I say, all of those have uh, in, in many cases shaped and influenced lots of the things that I do and I owe a huge debt of gratitude to all of those people. Uh, I think the, the network, like network of 
development directors, heads of CEOs now who are doing the same types of things that I'm trying to do. Uh, they, they've done all the things I've got to do before. <laughs> so it, it's like I say, if you hopefully uh, we can, uh, yeah, we can try and uh, I can try to listen to them and, uh, and find out how to do things really. So uh, share and good. share alike again or learn from. <laughs> yeah, I think, I think in terms of individuals, uh, there's probably, there's a guy called Chris Brindley who's been incredibly uh, generous with his time over the years. I, I first met him at, a, I heard him talk at a conference probably 2007, 2008, something like that. And I've kind of tried to uh, try to spend more and more time with him. And I'm fortunate enough now that uh, I'm kind of working with him a little bit closer in the role that I'm doing. And he's helping, uh, he's helping shape a lot of the stuff that we're doing at Parkour. Okay. Um, he's a brilliant human being and uh, I have learned absolute buckets from him uh, and uh, like I say hope to, uh, I'm sure that's a relationship that I'll, I'll look to prioritise in, in years to come uh, there's a guy called Simon Ridd who used to work for Sport England he had a long uh, worked for Sport England for a long long time, probably 20 plus years I think and uh, I worked with him uh from kind of a sports participation point of view. And he, uh, yeah, like I say, he kind of helped me do, uh, kind of grow a program on a national scale uh, and, and be able to work networks and, and try and make uh, different parts of the system thrive. And uh, I learned a lot from him and uh, yeah, he was, it was good, but there's, there's two, like I said, so many. There's, there's loads of, <laughs> there is genuinely, and I, and I have, um, I feel very fortunate that I've managed to um, to kind of be able to to spend time with with so many great people because ultimately they um, yeah if you like I say listening to them for half an hour is uh, is liquid gold in terms of uh, uh, one day uh, being able to succeed really so you, you beautifully lead me on to my last question which would be. Who would you like to spend an extra half an hour in terms of their sports story? Who, who, who would really offer additional or great value or somebody that you're really quite curious about? Because you've given your story. Now it's time to sort of say, I wonder what somebody yeah. else could offer you. <laughs> I, don't, I, I don't know. I, genuinely, Dave, for me, it would be anyone. I mean, right. yeah. I, I, think, I think there are so many, uh, like I say, on, on the, uh, in the Chief Exec Forum, there's probably... Uh, 30% of the people I know pretty well, yeah. 30% of the people I've had the odd interaction with and like yeah. I said the rest I'm, I'm kind of not yet in, in, a, in a friendship or a relationship with so uh, I think that that's a group that obviously I'm, I'm really keen to understand yeah. a little bit more yeah. uh, I think I think where you generally find brilliant stories are um, people who have been involved in sports clubs for a long time yeah. and have been uh, there's a guy who runs uh, who's heavily involved in one of the cricket clubs in Sheffield that my, my boys did the All-Stars programme a couple of years with yeah. and he used to be head teacher of secondary school he used to, he's been involved in other, uh, other sports and, and obviously now he's doing cricket there's for me, there's a lot of 
uh, it's like transferable stuff that you can kind of bring from different things. So, uh, so ge genuinely, and that's not to pass the question on, but no. I, I think it's uh, it's trying to make sure that, like I say, I, I always try and challenge myself to to certainly every month try and meet someone else, and uh, or like I say, even more frequent than that, really. So. But I think that you know. And, and I really appreciate your your response because it plays to me again a little bit about the the principles that underpin the sports stories podcast because you know we very strongly believe here that everybody's got a story to tell you know and there's there's something in everybody's story whether you're a high profile athlete CEO whatever or actually a young person coming through and telling their story there's nuggets and gems in them so you know I really um, understand where you're coming from and but I think you, you've give me the sense though that you you're happy to look for the gems in, in anybody's story so yeah, yeah. Def definitely and, and like I mean there's some really really inspirational stories I mean like Yvonne Harrison from uh kind of the, the journey that she's had is 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 brilliant and like I say Lisa listened to her talk a few times um uh, and I think that demonstrates lots and lots of different inputs yeah. uh, that ultimately enable somebody to move uh, uh, to move through from success to one success to another, another success, thing. really, and, uh, and challenges on top. I mean, uh, yeah, there's there's a guy called Bourne Barricker who runs our parks, uh, and I enjoy every uh, <laughs> like I say every time I get to spend time with Bourne, it's uh, it's brilliant because he. Uh, yeah, he's such a. He's got. He brings so much energy, and, uh, and obviously wants to uh, uh, wants to do it good. But yeah, I could keep just like I said. There's 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 a load of people that uh, have got really interesting stories to tell, and uh, very happy to uh, to kind of uh, go a bit further. But, but yeah. Well, Dan, look. Thanks ever so much for sharing your story and your journey. You know, there's loads of in bits in there in terms of principles for uh, you know leaders ceos managers but also people aspiring to have journeys through sport you know starting off their career and i love the idea around um parkour being a lifestyle sport and actually there's so much for it yet to come uh, in in many ways and um you know on that note you know should people be interested to find out a bit more about you or what you're doing within parkour uh, and the and the wider work you're doing, how might they be able to contact you, or you know, should they contact me and I'll pass on the details? What would suit best? Well, you can uh, certainly uh, look up the uh, the Parkour UK Instagram or uh, or website, and obviously there's a we're trying to tell a story there around what we're doing, uh, and we'd be very, like I say, really interested in uh, in further conversations with. Uh, folks who think they can uh, can try and help uh, yeah I mean I'm on like I say there's other channels that you can kind of get but that, that would probably be the main one so yeah well Dan on that note thanks so much again you know I, I can't say this enough about you just opening up and being vulnerable sharing some of the highs but also some of the lows but I think you know both the highs and the lows of your career and the inspiration that you picked up along the way uh, give a real insight and I for me give real hope to many people wanting to make a career whether it be in a paid role or a voluntary role or just a participatory role within sports so you know you paint such a broad brush yeah. picture which is uh, Fabulous. So thank you ever so much. I suppose the, there is a lot in, 
there's a lot in life where you get told no and you get told no <laughs> again you get told no again you get told no again and you have to be quite resilient i think and uh, i went through many uh, yeah many rejections to to get to like i say the the, the role that i'm lucky enough to do at the moment and uh, i suppose there's a bit there's a little bit about trying to take something from each one of them and, and wow. using anything that comes back as feedback and uh, sometimes a lot of the time you won't like it uh, and obviously it, it'll hit a nerve or kind of uh, uh, maybe touch something that you, uh, uh, you you didn't really want to think about or it kind of challenges you and uh, yeah it's like I say I, uh, I feel very lucky that I've had uh, the the opportunities that I have and uh, yeah I'm, I'm hopeful that there's more to come really so uh, it's all good. Well, you, you remind me of that lovely picture where, it, you, you know, it suggests that careers and life is one very nice straight line and it's actually absolutely not, is it? It's all over, you know, but I think your testament to the resilience and the perseverance and the, the hard knocks that actually make us who we are, um, you know, and you've, you've painted that picture brilliantly. And I think it gives, gives me and others, I hope, much inspiration to, you know, if we keep going at it and working hard and doing what we believe in, and, and coming back to your point about, you know, really understanding the whole person and understanding yourself, then you've not got a bad chance of doing all right, have you? So, you know. No, thank you. Thank you for that. And, and well done for what you're doing, because I think, like I say, this, uh, I've listened, I haven't listened to all of your, uh, your sports stories, but uh, I've listened to a, a good number and there's, uh, yeah, there's quite a, a variety and an variety. Eclectic, eclectic mix of uh, of different people which is uh, should definitely be celebrated and uh, like I say I wish you all the best uh, with the future really so brilliant well keep in touch Dan thanks ever so much and you know let's come back for for part two in a year or so or something like that hey and well, see, see. see where part yeah. has got to in, the, in this period of time but once again thanks no, ever so much I really appreciate it take care no problem so there we have it another great conversation with uh, another special guest on the Sports Stories podcast Dan was really humble, he was really authentic, he was really genuine and it's a quiet sort of steeliness as a leader. He really brought uh, many of his challenges to life, he was really open and honest and I was really uh, not quite privileged to hear his story and his experiences and I, I think his desire just to subtly and quietly keep moving things on and making a difference through the work that he's done. And he was really there to make a difference and I think it's a real testament to his work as a, a developer in sport or a sports development professional. A couple of things that really stood out for me were his um, challenges and the adversity that he's faced throughout his career and how he's really spun that round to being a, a force for positivity and to drive him forward. He's really had some real big um, influential sort of losses and he's suffered some big areas of grief and how he's really embraced that actually and seen that as a positive I think is a great testament to his, uh, his perseverance and his desire to to really make a difference through what he does. I really like the idea he learns from uh, every environment that he embraces you know speaking to people exposing himself to different contexts the work he did in the the justice system and how he could bring that into his world of work and sport was just fantastic and plays to that real principle that there's learning in everything we do but there is a real skill in bringing the transferability from different environments into the one he currently works in. Um, and I thought he brought that to life really, really powerfully. Uh, and lastly, the, the idea of networking and how he really talked about so many people and that he, he embraced what other people brought to him. He engaged with them. He made them 
uh, come towards him and bring their strengths. And I, I think that shows a real power in, in his leadership approach and style and being vulnerable to the fact he doesn't need to know everything and actually he can learn from other people and therefore bringing expertise from around him can make him a better leader, a better CEO. Um, and I really like the idea of his sort of black book and how he, he brought that together to, to really help him and grow that and recognize the power of his network. So there were three kind of big areas which uh, really resonated from his, his kind of really honest, insightful and uh, vulnerable story. Now, again, what I would like to do is pose to you two or three questions, which uh, I always do to just get you thinking as well uh, and help you on your learning journey. Now, the questions I'd like to pose to you today are, you know, Dan talked about his network, as I've just mentioned. Who's in your network? How well do you know them? And who and what is missing from your network? What do you need to do to really build? We often talk about that kind of your personal boardroom. And Dan didn't call it that, but he alluded to the idea of really making sure he got the right people around him, calling on them and using their powers and their strengths for both support and insight. The second question I'd like to pose is, what has been one of the greatest losses or rejections you have experienced? How has it affected you? And how could you use this experience to help you positively move on? It takes a real insight and again, a real power and determination to see that in a positive light. It probably really hurts at the time. But again, Dan gave a lovely story about how he's turned that and really embraced that, uh, those losses and rejections and seen that as a, a force for good, really, which is uh, admirable, really. So I just want to pose that question to you. Now, as always, big questions, and I appreciate that, you know, they're not easy to just roll off the tongue and come up with answers, but I want you to consider them. This is not just about entertaining. This is about really helping you delve into your life, into your story and move things forward. So as always, if, if you've got some success stories or any greater challenges, please be in contact with me. Let me know how you're getting on. Uh, that The things that are really tough for you are good to hear, but equally so, the things that are really powerful and your success stories are great to hear and inspire other listeners on their journey, but also inspire me in terms of continuing to bring the great content and the stories to you. So as always, the place to make contact is through the website, which is www.sportstories247.com. Also, please link in with me on the different social channels of you know, LinkedIn, Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter. Uh, we have a, a presence on all those sites. And again, it's lovely to share stories, which is what we're trying to do is just share stories. So please provide your success stories and, and your, uh, your motivations and inspirations will be great to hear. As always, I just want to bring to your attention some of the other work that's going on throughout the sports stories world. You know, we've developed the, uh, the online program now, which is going live. You know, many of the guests, including Dan today, have talked about how they've continually learned, really embracing different environments. And the, uh, the Maximizing Your Coaching and Leadership Impact Program does just that. It provides tools, techniques, tips, loads more different stories as well, and things to really inspire you, to help you on your journey and really add great value to you. So again, have a look on the website for the Maximizing Your Coaching and Leadership Impact Program. It's there to really make a difference. And we're really, really proud of what we've pulled together with the help of many guests and great experience over the last 25 or so years of working in sport and business and people development. There's also, again, coaching support. Dan and previous guests have mentioned about the coaching support, you know, how it's really made a difference to them to really see a different perspective. Somebody's got the agenda and the backing of you. So again, have a look on the website. There's some great coaching services and offers there. And we have a pool of fantastic, credible experience and insightful 
individual coaches to support you on your personal and professional development. And all it again leaves me to say is thanks again for you listening, joining in, being part of uh, the sports stories journey. It's it's brilliant to have you along on the journey. It really makes all the work that we do really uh, worthwhile. We really want to make a massive difference to you and to the community through the power of and the vehicle of sport, which again, Dan really alluded to today about sport being such a powerful vehicle for change, both for him and through the work that he does in parkour. And again, thanks, Dan. You know, without the guests that we have on and the great stories that they share, it, it wouldn't be the podcast that it is. So thank you for, for sharing, Dan. I really appreciate your insights. You know, and again, we have great, great guests lined up for, for next week and further throughout the, uh, the rest of the series. Next week, we have a fabulous guest on, again, working at the top of their, their field, has, has lived some real highs and lows, but is really interested in, in people and talent development uh, and has also worked in a number of different sporting context environments. So please join me again next week for another great Sports Stories guest. Uh, and until then, I just wish you a really great week. Join me again, Dave Levine. Take care and I'll see you soon. Bye for now.